Amen. Amen. Hey, everybody. Good morning. I am Pastor Chris. Welcome uh, to Coastal. Um, wow, what a difference an invitation makes. Um, invite and bring somebody to church Easter Sunday. Um, you never know um, just what might be going on in somebody's life, uh, more than what you might realize. And um, it's not about me or Coastal or the band or somebody here. It is all about Jesus. And Jesus changes lives. That's what we're about here at Coastal. We lift him up, and uh, he does what he does best. So, uh, in fact, today, um, on the back of your Connect card, if, if there's a friend that you're reaching out to that you would love to bring and you've been praying for, uh, and you'd like to know that uh, some other people could pray with you specifically for that person, write their name on the back of your Connect card. You just have to write their first name, and our prayer team, uh, our elders and our staff, we will lift uh, you up and lift them up as we, uh, as we start pushing toward uh, Easter Sunday. Uh, what a powerful testimony. I'm glad that you were here today uh, to hear that. Uh, we are in a relationship series here at Coastal right now, of course, called Happily Ever After with a big question mark. Um, so far in this series, uh, we've had some fun. We've gone all the way back to the very first relationship, if you will, uh, Adam and Eve. And so we talked about uh, some, I guess, kind of foundational relationship principles. Uh, last week, we talked about dating specifically, uh, and I challenge you to ask yourself some questions that could help you evaluate your dating relationship. But also, if you were married, uh, we applied that to you as well. Uh, remember, it's not so much uh, looking for Mr. Right or looking for Mrs. Right as it is what? Being Mr. Right, being Mrs. Right. Um, speaking of Mr. and Mrs. Right, uh, a young woman on the occasion of her anniversary called her mom at home and said, Mom, I always knew I had found Mr. Right. I just didn't know his first name was going to be always. So anyway... Uh, Somebody once said that marriage is kind of like a three-ring circus. You know, first of all, there is the engagement ring, then there is the marriage ring, and next comes the suffering. So, um, <laughs> some of you can relate to that one, right? Okay, so um, a young boy talking to his dad said, Dad, I heard that in certain parts of Africa, a man doesn't know his wife until he marries her. Is that true, Dad? And the dad said, son, that happens in every country. <laughs> um, so uh, this morning I want us to talk about marriage. And, uh, you know, talking about crazy marriage, though, first of all, uh, do you realize that now there are actually two, two reality shows about polygamist marriage? Have you seen these things? It's, uh, one's called um, Sister Wives, and the other one is called My, what, Five Wives. My Five Wives. Wise. Now, have you seen, anybody seen any one of these shows? I know I'm like a reality show addict, I guess. I don't know. It's like a train wreck. You can't look away. But um, do you know what the real... Now, I know in different states, you know, there's different laws against polygamy. And, uh, but do you know what the real punishment for polygamy is? It's not jail time. It's, it's multiple mother-in-laws. That's what, really what it is. I mean, I, I watched that show, and I think, man, that dude's got like five mother-in-laws. I mean, that's crazy. So, um, well, I want to begin today by uh, giving you a little survey. We're going to take a little uh, congregational survey this morning. And, and it's, it's a survey of the various types of lessons that you might have had in your lifetime, okay? So here we go, and, and Michael might pay attention to this first one. Raise your hand if you've ever had any music lessons. 
Raise your hand. Music lessons. In your lifetime, you've had, okay, that's great. Believe it or not, in the fourth grade, I took viola lessons. I'm really proud of that. I can't play viola today, but I took viola lessons. Uh, okay, here's one. Raise your hand. You know, we live here in Charleston. We have the ocean, lots of people. Swimming lessons. Raise your hand. Swimming lessons. Okay, that's a good skill to learn. Very good. Uh, beautiful here in Charleston. How about golf lessons? Ever taken a golf lesson? Okay, fewer, fewer, but some. Um, uh, how about this? Horseback riding lessons. Kind of a little more obscure. Okay, wow, we got a bunch of horse. People who ride horses, there you go. Um, tennis lessons. Anybody tennis lessons? Playing tennis over the summer as a kid, maybe? Okay, now here's the last one I want to ask you. But, but it's kind of a little bit longer than a, a question. But anybody here take, now before you raise your hand, listen to the whole question. Take dance lessons at a place like Arthur Murray or Fred Astaire Dance Studios before your wedding. Raise your hand. Anybody do that? Before you went, okay, there's a few. Now, the reason you do that is because, of course, you don't want to look like a complete moron, right, on your, uh, for your first dance, right, with your, with your bride or groom. Now, uh, I do a lot of weddings, okay? As, you know, Charleston is like the number two wedding destination in the country. I don't know if you know that or not. And uh, we're behind, uh, number one, of course, is Vegas, Okay, and then we're number two. Um, but uh, so a lot of people come here to get married, and I see this a lot. Couples will take, you know, these, these dance lessons at some place like that. Now, think about the logic about that for just a second. I mean, people will spend a lot of time, and it's at least like, you know, five, six lessons or more, and they'll spend a lot of money on these lessons for something that's going to last like four minutes, just so you could impress your, your family and your friends and not look stupid. You know, especially today where everybody's videotaping that, you know, that, that first dance and everybody's doing something kind of funny and they want to see it on YouTube or something like that. But what's so crazy is they'll, they'll take those, that, that time, the energy, the effort, the money, spend all that for that four minutes and then you will never take dance lessons again right? Or even worse, you'll never go what? Dancing again. You did all of that for that one shot, right? That one shot of glory for four minutes. Now, you know what? This is what I tell couples. You know what lessons you should have spent your money on? You ready for this? Something that would actually help your relationship or your marriage? Cooking lessons. That'd be a good one right there. How about money management? That, that could have, you know, that would have been a good investment. Maybe sign up for Dave Ramsey, you know, before you get married. Or communication skills. Or parenting. You know, something that you would use like a lifetime of your relationship. Not four minutes. Now, truthfully though, that's a great illustration of life. I mean, that, that really is the way we are in a lot of different areas of our lives and a lot of areas of our relationships. We don't really care a lot about maintaining something for the long haul. Here's what we do. We simply do whatever we got to do to get by, and then we wait for the emergency. And then we spend a lot of time, sometimes a lot of money, on the repair. Now, maintaining anything over the long haul whether it's a skill or you're learning a language. You know, how many of you took, you know, we might as well say, you know, Spanish lessons. You know, you took Spanish in high school, French, Latin, German. 
How many of you still speak that language today? None of us. Some of you very rarely, you know, do you, is that something you maintain? Whether it's your health, all of those things require maintenance. They require ongoing assistance. Now, if you think about that, the opposite of maintaining something, the opposite of maintenance is repair. Now, if you own a car, you know there's a huge, huge difference between car maintenance and car repair. Now, when you take your car in for car maintenance, you understand on the front end that it's going to cost you a little bit of money, right? You understand those spark plugs, those filters, that oil change, it's going to require a, a few dollars in comparison to a what? A repair. Because repair implies that now something is broken. Repair happens after a major problem. A repair is reactive to the situation. It's costly. Maintenance, however, is being proactive. Maintenance is preventative, you know, medicine. Maintenance is that, that daily exercise routine. Maintenance is about dealing with the issues before the problems ever come. Now, given the choice, if we actually thought about it, I think most of us would, would choose maintenance over repair. Well, how about relational maintenance over relational repair? You see, the best way to avoid a major repair, a major breakdown in your relationship, in your marriage particularly, is ongoing maintenance. It is the small things, the little things done consistently over time that make a huge, huge impact. And that's what I want us to talk about today. We want to do a little, a little marriage maintenance, if you will. Now, to do that, we're going to take a look at a passage of Scripture from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 5. Now, if you've got your Bibles with you, you, with you, you'll notice that sometimes, like on the top of this section of Scripture, this proverb is known as the proverb of the immoral woman. Now, the reality is, the immoral woman in this proverb is a part of the problem, but the real wisdom of this proverb is how to avoid ever falling into this issue, avoid this problem that immorality can cause. So there's some great principles here today. Again, whether you find yourself married, uh, single, single again, I think uh, there's some great stuff here for us. Proverbs chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. My son, so right there off the bat, you know, this is like an older guy, you know, older man, older father, kind of passing on, you know, wisdom to the young son, the, the, the younger individual. He says, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will be discreet and you will store up knowledge. So here's, here's what I hope can happen today. I hope that all of us are going to gain a little bit of wisdom and a little bit of knowledge from this proverb and do some relational maintenance. Um, by asking ourselves three questions. Here's question number one. Am I protecting my marriage? Am I protecting my marriage? Now, a lot of what the Bible has to say about marriage actually centers around this idea of protection. 
So when you get married, you got these two separate individuals, right? From different backgrounds, different stories, different upbringings, different families, whatever. Two separate individuals. And the Bible says they become one flesh. They become one. By the way, that's why divorce is so, uh, it's, it's so terrible and so heart-wrenching. Because what's actually happening in a divorce is there's like a tearing apart of the flesh. There's like a ripping apart because the two have become one and now they're being torn apart. So, but in marriage, two become one and then it becomes your responsibility. This, this one unit takes on the responsibility to protect our marriage from, from outside forces, outside danger. Now, would you agree? I mean, can we all be in agreement here today that there are a lot of outside forces trying to rip apart families today. Would you agree with that? I mean, a lot of outside forces, whether it's, you know, finances or job or just our culture or temptation or unforgiveness or anger. In fact, Ephesians 4.26 says this, and this might be, by the way, a great verse to put on your uh, refrigerator, put on your dash. It says, and don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a mighty what? What's the word he uses? A mighty foothold to who? To the devil. Satan. Listen to me. Satan wants nothing more in this life than to kill, steal, and destroy you. He is out to ruin your relationship. And right here the Bible says, don't let anger... Give the devil a foothold. Let him put a wedge. In fact, it's something that needs to be dealt with. In fact, many times this is often translated, don't go to bed angry with one another. So this Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 5, reminds us that there are some small things and there are some big things that you need to protect your marriage from. And one of the most damaging, one of the most dangerous, one of the most destructive is sexual immorality. And that's specifically what he talks about. Look at verses 3 through 6. It says this, The lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. So right off the bat, he's saying, Hey, listen, let's be honest. This is very tempting. You know, this is an issue you're going to have to deal with. This is an outside force. But then he goes on. He says, But the result is as bitter as poison, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave, for she does not care about the path to life. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't even realize where it leads. Now, specifically, he's talking about adultery. Adultery. Now, Adultery, you know, when we hear that word today, it, I mean, it sounds, it, it even sounds like a very harsh word. In fact, we typically want to soften it up a little bit. And a lot of people, especially in our culture, in the media, the world today, we don't want to, we don't necessarily use that word. We want to, we want to make it sound so much nicer than that. In fact, instead of saying they committed adultery, we'll say he or she had what? An affair. Like they went somewhere to get cotton candy and see clowns. They had an affair, you know, or something. And it's so crazy. 
You know, that we do that because it's so destructive and so dangerous. In fact, it's kind of like what power companies do today. They don't call what you get in the mail today anymore your power bill. It's called an energy document. I like that, right? You know, an energy document. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, you want money. But listen, no matter how you say it, the, the wisdom of Proverbs is trying to remind us, listen, adultery is adultery and it's dangerous. And real men and real women protect their marriage. And they do anything and everything to, to keep adultery from entering into it. Again, you can soften it all you want to. But the reality is what this, what this proverb tells us is that when adultery comes in, it destroys everything in its path. Now, I realize in particular this proverb is talking about an immoral woman um, who captured the, uh, captures the eyes of, of men in marriage. But in our day, did you know the statistics of who commits adultery you know, men or women are almost dead even. So, again, the question is, are you protecting your marriage? Now, let's continue. It says this in Proverbs. So now, my son, listen to me. Never stray from what I'm about to say. Run from her. Did you hear that? Run. Run from her. Don't go near the door of her house. In other words, don't play with fire. Don't, don't even let this temptation get close to you, get close to your marriage. Now, notice he doesn't say, hey, don't go in and sleep with her. That's what you think he'd say. But he says, you know, build, back it up a step or two. You know, build the hedge of protection way further back. Don't even go near the, the door of her house. If you do, he says, here's what will happen. See if this is, isn't true. See if this proverb could not be written today. Listen to this. If you do, verse 9, you will lose your honor. You will hand over to merciless people everything that you have achieved in life. Strangers will obtain your wealth and somebody else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. By the way, what's he talking about there? He's talking about divorce lawyers, okay? And then that next person. He's saying people are going to be, merciless people are going to have everything that you've achieved. Your your whole life will be torn apart. Afterwards, you as an individual, you will groan and anguish when disease consumes your body. That's what it's going to feel like. And so he's saying, hey, back it up. Protect your marriage. Now let's talk about, let's get real practical here today. How? How can you as an individual protect your marriage? First of all, men, women, protect your eyes. Protect your eyes. It is not the first glance that gets you into trouble. It's the second look. It's the lingering stare. It's the scenarios that now you start running through your mind. What if? Boy, what what would that be like? What I'm saying is don't look for sexual, relational emotional, or even conversational fulfillment in someone else other than your spouse. You are crossing a line. Don't look for any type of fulfillment in anything, in any way, through anyone else other than your spouse. And if you tell me, well, Pastor Chris, I'm not finding that in, in my spouse. Well, look again. Stop looking somewhere else. The water, the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. It is, it is greener wherever you choose to water it. 
Now, so protect your eyes. Number two, write this down. It's not on your outline. It's not a blank, but just write this down. Protect your mind. Protect your mind. You know, be careful about what you allow your mind to think about. Be careful the movies you choose to go to. I mean, that is especially true today where pornography is a $2 billion industry and growing. And it begins at a much younger and younger age. Why is that? Because it's so easily accessible today. Now, back in my generation and older, if you wanted pornography, you had to go find it. You had to go look for it. Now, we all knew where it was found, right? It was found underneath our dad's sock drawer, right? Underneath, you know, the, the, the underwear in our dad's drawer or in your uncle's, underneath your uncle's bed or, or you had some friends that had a, had a box out in the fort in the woods. Now, why do I know that? Because I've been there and done that, okay? We all know. But today, do you have to go looking for it? Man, you just open your phone. You just open your computer. It is there. Listen, protect we we live in a, in, a, in a culture today of instant access on all of our devices and it is being glamorized today and it's destroying your marriage destroying your relationships do not don't you know don't kid yourself it is protect your steps so protect your your uh, your eyes your mind and your steps. And what I mean by that is, he says here, don't go near the door of her house. In other words, men, women, back it up a step or two and stop flirting. Stop flirting with the people you work with. You know, don't go out of your way to receive compliments from somebody else of the opposite sex. In other words, do whatever it takes to protect your marriage. Be like a watchman on guard on the wall and don't allow anything to come into your marriage, into your mind, into your heart, into your eyes that would hurt or destroy your marriage. So question number one is, am I protecting my marriage? Now, there are going to be a lot of problems that are going to come from the outside that you need to protect your marriage from. But then all of a sudden, this proverb turns the corner in a way and, and goes inside. Number two, am I investing in my marriage? This is from within. You protect from without, but am I investing from within? Because bo both are important. If you're going to maintain your marriage over the long haul, both are important. Protection from the outside, but investment from the inside. I tell people all the time that I'm going to marry, that I'm going to perform their, their wedding ceremony. Listen, you're going to stand up in front of one another, in front of your friends and your family, the people that you love, on your big day called your wedding day, and you're going to... Repeat your vows. But you need to know something. A great marriage is not, you know, made by you saying your vows one time to your spouse. Re it, it, it's made by renewing your vows constantly. By reliving and renewing those commitments that you made. Day in and day out. You see, again, I'll go back to the same thing I said. It is the small investments, the small things that are done consistently over time that either make or break a relationship. It's not the big things. And you say, well, Pastor Christian, you just got finished talking about adultery. That's a big thing. Yeah, but you know what? Many times there was a whole series of little things 
that led up to that, to that event, to that adultery. You know, it wasn't like, you know, someone was walking down the road, da, 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 da. I think I'll commit adultery today. Da, 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 da. No, it didn't happen. It doesn't happen that way. It's a series of little things done over time that either destroy or build up a relationship. And so my question is, are you willing to make, you know, the, the investment? Are, you know, that's the same thing financially true, right? You know, a lot of people think, hey, oh, I could just solve all my financial problems if I could just what? Win the lottery. Are you stupid? Listen, that's not, that's not how it happens. How, how do you... How is a financial portfolio made or broken by the small investments made over time consistently? That's the same thing true of our health. It's the same in every area of life, but it's especially true in our relationships. And so we've got to invest in our marriage. If you don't, there's going to be huge consequences. That's the warning of Proverbs chapter 5. Let's go back, verses 12 through 17. Listen to this. And you will say, oh, how I hated discipline. Now, what's he talking about there? What is discipline? Discipline, he's talking about habits. Discipline, the small things done consistently over time. Oh, how I hated discipline. If I had only not demanded my own way, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why did I pay attention to those who gave me instruction? I've come to the break of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. In other words, listen. Find satisfaction in the source of your marriage with one another. He says, should your springs flow over in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. So the question is, are you investing in your marriage? Now let's break that one down and let's get really practical here because there are several ways that you can invest in your marriage. You can make a spiritual investment in your marriage. A spiritual investment. Write that one down. You know, I actually had a guy this week ask me, like, Pastor Chris, what does it look like to, you know, to, to be a leader in your home spiritually as a man? What, you know, what does it look like to lead your family spiritually? I mean, are you saying that I need to have, like, devotions, like, six times a day? I'm like, no, are you? You know, of course not. But what I am talking about is making Jesus the center of your life and then taking the initiative with your family. Although, guess what? There is something powerful about praying with your spouse. You know, it's difficult to fight with somebody, at least not right there in that moment. When you, when you bow together and you join hands and you pray together. There's something powerful about that. You know, there's something powerful about being in a worship service together with your spouse. Because all of a sudden, together as a family, you're recognizing, you know what? There's something bigger than, than us. You know, there's a power greater than ourselves. There's a roadmap for life. And purpose and meaning and satisfaction doesn't come from you, doesn't come from one another. It comes from above. It comes from the Lord. And so maybe it's, you know, being in a life group together. Maybe it's serving together. But, but take the initiative and start investing in your relationship spiritually. Here's another investment you need to make. You ready for this one? Invest in each other physically. Physically. Now, when you start feeling pulled apart, you compound that. You add to it and you make it worse by not making time for each other physically. Now, here's a decision that each one of us that are married here in this room need to make today. Here it is. You ready? If my spouse is going to have a great lover in his or her lifetime, 
you're going to be it. It's you. Make that commitment. If if my spouse is going to have a great lover, I'm going to be it. You're going to try to meet your spouse's sexual needs in such a way that they'd be crazy to ever be interested in anybody else. 1 Corinthians 7, 3 says, a man should fulfill his duty as a husband. A wife should fulfill her duty as a wife, and each should satisfy the other's needs. He's talking about sex there. He's talking about one another. He's saying, listen, get down to the full-time business and get serious about learning what it is your spouse needs and determine that you're going to be the person who's going to meet and fulfill their sexual needs. That will go a long, long way in protecting your marriage. Somebody after the first service came up to me and said, Pastor Chris, I'm going to go home and have sex. I was like, hey, that's great. (laughs) Amen. Okay. So uh, invest. Invest in your marriage emotionally. Now, I know this is the one that some guys balk out a little bit, um, and, uh, but so important for women. How do you invest emotionally? Now, the problem is that most guys think what I'm talking about here is just completely, you know, a feelings love fest, where you're just going to open up and share your feelings, and they're going to have to come home and do that. That's what guys are afraid of. That's really not what I'm talking about. You know what I'm really talking about, investing emotionally? It is just talking and listening. It's both. You know, it's just talking about the facts of your day. It's allowing your wife to talk about the facts of her day. It's, 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 it's about frustrations, about dreams, about concerns. And sure, yes, once in a while, it's about feelings. But it starts with talking. Gary Thomas, in a book called Sacred Marriage, he suggests a prayer that couples ought to pray every day. He says, pray this. Lord, how can I love my spouse today like he or she has never been loved and never will be loved? Man, you pray that every day, you're going to be amazed at how practical God is going to speak into your life about the little things that you could do to make an investment in your marriage. So, if you protect your marriage from the outside, if you're making investments from the inside, you are going to reap some great rewards, and that's what number three is all about. Am I enjoying my marriage? Am I enjoying my marriage? Because God's plan is for you to be able to enjoy one another. You know, somebody said it's not a lack of love that leads to unhappiness in marriage. It's a lack of friendship. You know, Stephen and Sarah talked about this idea of like dating and marriage. You know, when you were dating before marriage, when you were friends, you know, you you enjoyed doing things together. Well, guess what? That's a plan for marriage, you know, after the fact as well. I mean, if you spent more time courting in marriage, you'd spend less time in court after marriage, okay? Like spent, you know... Make that investment. Am I enjoying my marriage? Yes. Do you have a date night? Now, that's not like the you know, end-all answer for everything. But what I'm saying is, you know, do you spend some time together just to reconnect and be together? And you say, yeah, but Pastor Chris, we got kids. Listen, the best thing you can do for your children is have a great marriage, period. You know, they don't need to be the focus. Fine, you know, team up, you know, with some other friends who got kids and you trade off, you know, whatever. You know, listen, I'll watch your kids. You know, bring them to my house. I, you know, I don't know what will happen to them, but you bring them over and we'll take care of them. Um, you know, God wants you to enjoy your marriage on so many different levels. Emotionally, physically, spiritually. In fact, again, let's go back to Proverbs. Let's go back to God's word, verses 18 and 19. It says this. May your fountain be blessed. Listen to this, so great. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a grateful deer. May her breasts 
satisfy you always. Let me read that again. May I love God's word. Anyway, okay. May, may you ever, this is so beautiful, may you ever be, I love this word, captivated by her love. May you ever be captivated by her love. Man, God wants us to enjoy marriage. Now, let me explain something. And we've, we've tried to bring this home every, every week of this series. And I hope you've heard this loud and clear. I want you to hear it again today. Enjoying your marriage does not mean that you see your spouse as the primary source of your fulfillment. In fact, Stephen mentioned about a sermon that I preached about safety, uh, about security and significance. That ultimately, you know, you get yourself into trouble if you put anyone or anything, you know, that you try to find your, your significance or your security from other than God. Because if your spouse is the primary source of your fulfillment, you're going to get in trouble. It's going to hurt your relationship. Now, obviously, they need to be your primary source of sexual fulfillment. But one of the myths that we have in marriage in our day-to-day is that if things are bad in my life, well, it must be his problem. It's her fault. It's his fault. Now, sometimes you've just been guilty of giving your spouse the number one, you know, seat in your life. And now, all of a sudden, you've got in your head, well, it's up to her to make me happy. It's up to him to make me happy. And it's up to them to, to give you satisfaction, fulfillment. Listen, that is not God's plan. There's only one, number one, in your life, and that has to be occupied by God. Because if God is the number one place in your life, then all of a sudden, he could take your relationship to your spouse to a whole nother level, and it actually relieves pressure from your relationship. Because if your spouse recognizes and realizes that God is in first place, and you recognize that God is in first place, then all of a sudden, you, you... you know, the, it's not on them to, to make you happy anymore. God makes you happy, and then he does something beautiful in your relationship. Obviously, your spouse is a part of God's plan, but they're not number one. You know, and when you expect your spouse to be the sole source of your enjoyment, of your fulfillment, of your significance, that relationship is headed for trouble. Listen, that's not God's plan. So maybe today you got some decisions to make. I hope decision number one is, God, I need you to be the first place in my life. You need to be my number one. And if you've never done that, if you've never turned your life over to God by by trusting in Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord, if you've never made the decision to follow him, why not do that today? I mean, just like Sarah said, you know, we, people try, they think they tried anything and everything to fix something, when all along, none of those things satisfy, none of those things get the job done. Why not give Jesus a try? What would that be like in your marriage? What, what would that be like in your life? It starts by turning your life over to him. Now, the, even if, you're, if you are already a believer, you know what happens so many times in our relationships? We, we take God out of primary position and we put something else there and it begins to have an effect on other relationships. So maybe today it's your decision is about a recommitment. Putting God back in his proper place. 
And then you can make these other decisions. Am I protecting my marriage? Am I protecting my eyes, my steps, my mind? Am I investing in my marriage? Am I investing spiritually, physically, relationally, emotionally? That's my prayer for you today. Because guess what? If we'll do these little things over time, are we, does that mean you're never going to have any problems or issues? No, absolutely not. But guess what? When they come, you'll be better prepared. And you can get through that, that tunnel of chaos. You can go over that mountain of, of, uh, of fight and struggle so much easier and so much better. So I want to pray for you today and pray for your marriages. Next Sunday, we're actually going to talk about divorce. And, uh, you know, the reality is sometimes when you do a series on marriage, sometimes people come to church and, and they just feel like people, they get beat up because they've made some mistakes. And they even wonder, you know, am I now damaged goods for the rest of my life? Not only with other people, but in God's eyes. And they've been made to feel that way by the church. So I want us to talk about that next week, about God's grace and his forgiveness. And I want us to talk about divorce, a, a subject that probably affects everybody in this room. So come back next Sunday. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, today, God, again, as always, I thank you for your word. It is so practical. And every time I read it and think about it and pray through it, I say, wow, this was written for today for me. And uh, Father, today, I know there's people in this room who are struggling relationally. They're, they're in the midst of a, of a repair, of a breakdown, um, a, a major, major problem. Father, I, I pray today that we would uh, simply go back to your word where you give us help and you give us hope. Um, I pray that we'd make that first and foremost decision about Jesus, placing him at the very center of our lives. And listen, if you're here today and you've never done that, why not do it today? It is as beautiful and, and yet as simple as a prayer. It's just communicating your heart to God. He knows it. He sees your heart, but he wants to hear it from you. Just pour out your heart to him and say, Dear Heavenly Father, you know, I have blown it. I've blown it in relationships. I've blown it in so many areas. And, you know, call it whatever you want to. The truth is, I am a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me today. I believe. I believe that Jesus is your son. You sent him to this earth to, as a payment for my sin. My, my sin put your son Jesus on that cross. But your love for me and for everyone was so great and your power is so great that he overcame sin and death and he rose from the dead and he is alive. Today I put my trust in that and in him alone. And one day I know that I too will rise again to be with you forever because of it. And so Father, today I also ask for your resurrection power in my relationships as I put you first. I know I can't force other people to change, but I'm going to change me as I rely on your son Jesus and father I pray today for all of us that we would make those small investments done consistently over time and they would make a huge huge difference father help us to protect our marriages you know there's so many forces on the outside today they're just beating up families and beating up marriages ultimately they come from Satan he is the father of lies and he is trying to destroy kill and steal Father, I pray that we would 
we would not let him have a victory. I pray we protect our eyes, protect our mind, protect our steps. I also pray we would invest. Again, those small investments done over time make a huge, huge impact. Father, we love you. Thank you for this church. May we be the church you've called us to be. May we reach out to people in love, in grace, and in truth. And uh, I pray, Father, that um, we we would share the good news with the world around us. You know, we have help. We have hope. And there's more and more people out all around us, just like Stephen, just like Sarah, who simply need to be loved and pointed in the direction of Jesus and let him do what he does best. Father, we love you. We pray this today in his most precious name. Amen.